0: Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. We're going to be turning to the book of Isaiah today. The book of Isaiah. We're going to be in chapter 6. And the title of today's message is, Lord, send me. Lord, send me. You know, you may be familiar with the, you know, where we're going today in Luke chapter 6. And every time I come across the scripture, it reminds me of a song I used to listen to in my 20s called Send Me. And it was, a, it was by a guy named Lecrae. And, uh, you know, he's a rapper and, and he loves Jesus. And this song, man, it would charge me up. You know what I mean? Like, you guys know you got those songs, you know, that just really get you really excited about Jesus. And man, you know, me and my friends, you know, we would get together, you know, we jammed to this song and we would like, man, man, listen, we're going to do, God, you know, God use us, man. God i will do anything for you. Let's go. We get all charged up. And, you know, I don't know, you know, we were just excited. But this song, you know, it always got in my heart because I know that, you know, if anybody, you know, if God looks for anybody, I'm willing to go for Jesus. And I know that every one of us have that in our heart. And um, that's, that's, the, that's the direction that we're going today. But we're going to begin in verse 1. Okay, and uh, so in verse 1, we're going to start here, and we're going to read just a few words, or we're gonna stop. and we're going to stop. And it says here uh, in verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died. I'm going to stop there for a second because, you know, when we read things like this, it's easy to pass over, because it's just there. But there's a reason why Isaiah wrote this. King Uzziah was a good king, and he was a king who reigned for 52 years in the kingdom of Judah, and uh, he did great things for that kingdom. The king uh, um, Israel was split into two kingdoms. It was the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. He was the king of Judah at that time, and uh, during during his reign, Israel or Judah experienced a time of peace, because he was also a great war general. He won many battles, and God gave him favor. and every battle he went into, he won, and he won favorably. And so, uh, no no kingdom, no other kingdom dared to to impose itself on Judah, because they knew that he was strong and he was mighty. And things during that time were great, until they weren't. Um, eventually, he passed away, and the throne was empty, and uh, it, it, it caused a little bit of uneasiness um, with Judah and also uh, for, it, uh, um, for Isaiah as well, and um, what we see is uh, Isaiah, he also was a big fan of, of, of uh, King Uzziah, so much so that he wrote about, um, um, the book of Chronicles tells us that he wrote about him. And he wrote of all the things that he did. And so clearly, he was a supporter of King Uzziah, but he passed away. So you can imagine him being sad, and you can I, I imagine the uneasiness. And it reminds me a little bit about, you know, it reminds me a little bit of today, you know, the state of our world, the state of our nation, you know, um you know, when, when we look at the things around us, it's, it's easy to notice that, that it seems like things are just getting worse and worse. And it seems like the nation that was founded on godly principles, you know, seems to be getting further and further away from God. And uh, we can relate to him in that sense. And it seems like things can be a little uneasy, not sure what's going to happen. But the truth is that, like Isaiah... Everything no, I'm sorry, nothing is new under the sun, and uh, just like we are what we're experiencing now, he also experienced and listen, don't get me started on gas prices, guys. Come on, for us here in Texas, man, I mean, listen, I know that you know people pay a lot more for gas everywhere else, but man in Texas, man, it's about to hit five dollars. Man, let me know if you find something under 450, man, let me know. that's where I'm gonna go today. but um, with that said. Um, Isaiah, it tells us that what we see is he goes to the temple and he goes to pray. And when he goes to pray, the Bible tells us that something happens. Okay, let's, let's go ahead and go there, all right? Um, Isaiah uh, uh, chapter 6, uh, continuing in verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. He saw the Lord in a vision. He had a vision of God, and we're going to talk about it in a, in a minute. But it's, what, what I find interesting is that he says, I saw, um, um, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You know, there's something about getting a vision of God. You know, when we have our eyes on the problems around us, it's easy for those things to seem like things. Are bad and it's hard to see past but and we imagine that things are going to get hard and things are rough in the moment but there's something about getting our eyes on God getting our eyes on him that can change things amen anybody know that when we begin to look to God things begin to look a little different and that's the same thing we see here continuing in verse 1 it shows it says that I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Verse 2. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings covering their faces, with two covering their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Wow! Wow! That is a vision, man. I, you know, every time I read this, it, it just seems so like, out there. Like it's so bizarre. It's so crazy. It's almost like you can't really, get a hold and get a grasp of what is being said here. But I think that's kind of the point. It's it's is 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 Isaiah. He sees he's he's faced with these situations, and then he he gets a a view of God, and it's a it's a amazing wonderful powerful vision of God and so I want to talk about this for just a second and I want to talk about I want to pull out three attributes of God that we see here in the first part of this vision that I think is going to speak to the second half of what we're going to read in just a minute and so just a few things number one is that we see that God is sovereign now I want to talk about that for a second Um, it says in verse 1, I saw the Lord. Now, when, you're, when we're reading our Bibles, you may have noticed that you'll see the word Lord written two different ways. You'll see Lord, all caps, L-O-R-D, Lord. And then you'll see capital L, lowercase O-R-D. While it is talking about God, it's two different words there. The word, when it's all caps Lord, that's the name of God. Jehovah, which means the God who exists. So that is that Lord. But then we see another Lord, and that's capital L, lowercase O-R-D, which is the word or the name Adonai, which means master or sovereign one. And this is what I love about this, the title of God. It's interesting, God has a title. And I know it sounds interesting, but, you know, titles are, are, are something that we're used to. Um, we have titles in our homes. You know, we, you know, we're fathers, we're mothers, we're husbands, wives. You know, we, we have responsibilities with those roles, with those titles. In my home, I, I, you know, I'm a, uh, excuse me, as a husband, I have a responsibility to watch over my marriage, to protect and provide, my, provide for my wife. As a father, I have a responsibility to watch over my children and to protect them and provide for them. We all have jobs, and in our jobs, we have titles, and with those titles come responsibilities. And it's the same thing with God. God has a title, and His title is the sovereign ruler of the universe. He is God and He oversees everything. Everything that exists, He oversees, and He is responsible for. Now, that's a job right there. You can imagine, man, I couldn't imagine being God. You know, we we couldn't imagine, literally couldn't imagine, but literally everything, not just in our world, not just in our galaxy, in the entire universe, in the heavens, He is Lord, and He is sovereign over all. Now, It says that God is Lord and that it says that he was seated on a throne. He's not sitting in a chair. He's not sitting in a bench. You know, listen, anybody, anybody can sit in a chair. Anybody can sit on a bench. But not anybody can sit on a throne, right? Not anybody can just sit on a throne. Thrones are reserved for sovereign kings. And God, he is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He is seated on the throne. And I love this picture that we get of God. It's when he sees this, this vision that we get is we we get this magnificent huge God sitting on a throne with his glory filling the temple. This is a God with power with all power in his hands. This is a God with all authority in his hands. At any moment, he can call forth and and, and it comes into existence. God, he has all power and authority in his hands, guess what? God is in control. That's the vision that he saw is while things in the year that King Uzziah died, when things were uneasy, he saw the Lord on the throne and he was in control. You know, listen, Isaiah may have some things to be worried about, but God didn't. You see, God is not phased by the things that are happening today. God's not worried about the things that shake us. He is unshakable. He's not worried about it. He's in control. God has a plan, doesn't He? God knows what He's doing, and we can trust in Him. You see, when things are getting bad, we can trust and know that God is in control. Amen? That's the first thing. Another thing that we see here is that we see God's holiness. We see that God is holy. And this is so cool. Uh, It it tells us that that these seraphim, these creatures are flying around God and they are proclaiming to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And clearly they just do this just constantly, 24-7. Now, I know that holy is not a term that we normally use in our normal um, uh, vocabulary, but this is a term that we are very familiar with. The word holy in Hebrew is the word kadosh, and it means different. It means to set apart. It's, it's something that's different. This idea is the same word that we get our, our, our word uh, holiday from. You know, holidays are different days, right? They're days that are set apart for us to observe. They're different than the rest of the days in the year. They're set apart, and, and uh, we, uh, banks close, schools close, and uh, even work ceases so that we can observe these holidays and this is the same idea with god but just a, not just a little more different a lot different you see it's not you see god himself he is holy he's different he's set apart and it's it's because everything is his creation and he is the creator he's the creator and he's different from his creation he's separate this is this, this view that we get. And uh, I was talking with Pastor Ken earlier this week, and, and he had made a really great mention, a really, uh, a really great note I wanted to plug in that, the, that the, the holiness of God is not just him being separate, but also him drawing near to us. And so, this picture of God being holy, but he's not holy, they say that he's holy, holy, holy. This is an expression of intensity. And when to say God is holy is one thing. To say He's holy, holy is another. It means that He is very holy. But to say that He is holy, holy, holy is to say that He is the holiest of them all. He is above all. He is supreme. He is in a league of His own. And He is, he is God. He is perfect in all of His ways. So are y'all getting a picture of this so far? This is a, 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 a mighty and holy God. And then I'm going to use one more word. This is a word we don't use ever, but it's, it's a word that, that, that attempts to describe God, is that God is transcendent. And this is what this means. It, it just simply means that God is incomparable, that literally nothing, we can conjure up, there's no analogy, there's, no, there's, there's nothing that we can use to describe or explain or compare ourselves or anything else to God. He's, we can't understand Him because He's so far above us. Uh, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And... I feel like there's a little comfort in knowing that God is not like us. Because imagine if he was like us. He wouldn't be able to help us, that's for sure. He'd be stuck in the same problems that we're stuck in. But thank God that he's holy. Thank God that he is all-powerful. Thank God that he is so incomparable to us because in our time of need, he is able to help. He is able to deliver. He is powerful to do so. Amen? So this vision Isaiah gets, you can imagine the, uh, he, 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 the, the picture is his face on the ground realizing this picture of God, that he is mighty, that he is strong. And, and it's good for us to remind ourselves that this is the God that we have in heaven, that he is powerful, all-powerful. He is holy. He is so magnificent in this uh, that that it's, it's so beyond us. Now, with that said, we see something interesting. is that this amazing, mighty, powerful, magnificent, glorious God does something interesting. He humbles himself, and he invites us to participate with him. What? You, I know, we, we, know God, we know that God is love. We know that he does this, but this picture, we can't just go over. We can't just go past it. This is the God we see, this amazing God. And he humbles himself to us to participate with him. Listen, God has a plan he knows what he's doing it says here in verse 8 I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and whom will go for us this is in verse 8 who will go for us you know God As I said, he has a plan. He knows what he's doing. He has things under control. He's not worried. He's not concerned. And he has a plan. But here's the interesting thing. This God who is all-powerful, guess what? He can work this plan on his own. He's he's big enough. He's strong enough. he, he, He has all that he needs. I mean, clearly, he is powerful enough to do this thing on his own. Yet, he doesn't. You know, he has angels in heaven, and at the mention of his name, they they, they do his bidding just like that. He he could send his angels. He He could send his angels to go and do his bidding, but he didn't. He chose you and me. God could work with any creature, and he can use anything to bring about his plan, and yet he chose you to work with. God chose you. This God that is hard to understand when we read this this passage of Scripture that, wow, He's amazing, chooses to work with you. God loves you so much that He's willing to be patient with you. This God who is all-powerful is also gentle is also caring, is also forgiving, and He has a plan, but He wants to give us an opportunity to fulfill our purpose in working with Him. While God has a plan for salvation, He also has a plan for you. And His plan is to use you to be a part of His plan in reaching the people in our lives and also around the world. It's interesting, God has a plan to reach your neighbors, to reach your friends, your family, and he has a plan to reach the world, and he wants to do it through you. Man, that's so cool. And he asked this question, and who is it that this God, this king, asked this question? It's not that he's unaware, but he is searching He's looking for someone to participate. Man, I hope that that God doesn't have to look over us, but that he can stop with us. Amen. Amen? God wants us to be a part of the solution. And then we see this response from Isaiah. The response to the vision that he sees and then the invitation that God presents to him. After seeing the vision... This is what we see. We're going to go back to verse 5. Isaiah says, "Woe to me, woe is me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, the one the one of the I'm sorry. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand." which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Whom will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. You see, we see this picture of Isaiah humbled at this presence humbled in the presence of God, after seeing this vision face to the floor, humbled before God, realizing and aware that he is so completely unworthy in his presence. And um, I love the the way Pastor Ron describes humility. He describes it as our need for God. Humility is, is simply our need for God. And that's exactly what we see is Isaiah bow before God in this presence, saying, God, woe is me. I am unclean. My lips are unclean. And to have unclean lips is to have an unclean heart. That's what he was saying. Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says, the good good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his heart is evil, or uh, out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. He was aware of his shortcomings. He was aware of the of, of, of all that he is not and all that God is in his presence. And he realizes that I am, I, I am unworthy. But then we see this interesting switch. We see another response. In verse 8, not long after that, Isaiah speaks out in confidence. Here I am, send me. It's such a drastic change that, that woe is me, and then it's, God, send me, I'll go for you. What happens in the middle of that is that God, of him being aware of his shortcomings, purifies him in his presence at the altar. At the altar, he lays down before him, aware that he does not have it all together, that he is the, that he falls short of God, and God met him where he was at, and he touched him, healed him, purified him, and prepared him. You know, sometimes, to think that God wants to use us, we imagine, man, there's no way God can use me. <laughs> no way not for me, not this one, you know, and, and we can, and, and, and because we're aware of our shortcomings, we're aware of what we can't do, we're aware of what we don't have, we're aware, we're aware of our shortcomings before God, but God, He can take care of that. In fact, God wants to take care of that. He will take care of that. All He needs for us to do is to say yes, all he needs for us is to say, God, here I am. Lord, I, I don't have it all together, God. Lord, I, I, I don't know, you know, how I'm going to do all these things, but Lord, here I am. That's the picture that we get. And, and listen, we, God can use us in any way, and God will use us wherever we are at. He just needs us to say yes. Let's not disqualify ourselves before God let's allow him to take care of us let's allow him to qualify us for the call that he has for us amen Amen. so let's take a a few takeaways we're going to take from this Uh, when things go bad around us when things aren't working out when we're aware of our weakness number one God is still in control let's remind ourselves that God's got this he is all-powerful He's got this. He is not shaken. He's not worried. He is not concerned because he's got a plan. And he's going to work that plan. Amen? Uh, Second is that God wants us to be a part of the solution. God can do this thing alone, but he doesn't want to, clearly. He wants to use you. He wants to use us. He wants us to be a part of the solution. Listen, God believes in you. When, when, when I didn't believe in myself, God did. You know, I, I grew up with a real serious stutter, and I remember feeling called uh, to the ministry. Man, I was so scared to, you know, do it. I just felt, man, there's no way I could do it. And somehow, some way, God purified me and is using me today. Amen. God can use any one of us. If God can use this guy, God can use anybody. And, 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 and God will use you in your context. He will use you in your context. Because there's people in your family, there's people in, in, uh, in your friend group, your neighbors, or all the people that we're reaching across the world. God will meet you where you're at. He will use you in your context. But God wants us to be a part of the solution. And number three is that we have an opportunity to say yes. You have an opportunity to say yes. We get to say yes to God. We have the opportunity to say yes to God. And guess what? God is hoping we do. He hopes that we say yes because God will use you. He will use your he will use what you have. He will use your resources. He will use your your relationships. He will use your abilities. He will use your profession. He will use whatever you have. Whatever you choose to give to him, he can use it for his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Because it is all about the gospel. Amen? Listen, if you're here today, you might be listening to this, and maybe you're not sure that you know Jesus. You might be watching online today and and you've never given your life to Jesus. And right now you just feel stirring. You just feel like God is calling you. You sense that God wants you to give your life to Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity today because God also wants you to say yes. You have that chance right now. The word of God tells us that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross. That if we believe in him, we won't perish, but we'll have everlasting life. If we trust in Him, if we place our faith in Him, He will save us. Romans ten nine tells us that if we believe in our heart and confess in our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. God wants to save us, save us from our sin, and give us a new heart. That can happen for you today. Church, I'm going to ask you to pray with me here in a second. If you're saved and you know you are, I want you to pray with me. But we're going to give some people here and also online an opportunity to receive Jesus. And if you're here today, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. We're all going to pray this together. But if you're here and you know that you're not saved and you want to be, it's as simple as, a, as, as just praying today. So, uh, church, we're going to pray. Uh, those who are online, I want you to pray with me. Everybody, uh, I want you to say this prayer. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. And I open up my heart and ask you to come into my life, to be my Savior, and help me to follow you. God, I trust you with my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it up. Let me just say this, if you're here today and you pray that prayer for the first time, there's no magic in those words. It's all about your faith. And if you pray that today and you believe those words, the, the, the Bible says that you are born again. You are saved. Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.